Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Good morning. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 25 to chapter 5, verse 2. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work. Do something useful with their hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for, was sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, for the brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty and gracious God, we gather to hear your word read and proclaimed. And in doing so, O Lord, we ask that your words would be embedded upon our hearts, but that they would take root in our souls so that we would leave this place not just hearers of your word, but doers of your word. In your son's holy name we pray, amen. So do you ever find that sometimes your life imitates a country music song? Now, bear with me on this. If you're thinking about your life, you're thinking, what song is he thinking of? Well, I have one that sometimes pops up. It did when my children were little. Rodney, uh, Rodney Atkins sang the song called Watching You. And in this song, he, he is driving through town and he has one of those proud parent moments, those sort of, as I like to call them, father of the year moments. That moment when you realize that you haven't quite been your best self with your kids. So he's driving through town and he's got, you know, he's got his son in the back seat with him. Son's got the Happy Meal spread out, you know, the fries, the drinks, the whole nine yards. And somebody pulls out in front of him real quick in traffic. And so the, the Radney Atkins slams the brakes on the car. And you know what happens in the back seat? Everything goes flying. The drinks, the fries, and then the words. Here he says, he says, my four-year-old, he says, he, he says, he says a word that comes out of his mouth that it's got four letters and it's not love. And he thinks, where did you learn that? So he asks his son, he says, where did you learn to talk like that? And these are the words of the refrain of the song that sort of echo throughout. He said, I've been watching you, dad. Ain't that cool? 
I'm your buckaroo. I want to be just like you and eat all my food and grow as tall as you are. We got cowboy boots and camo pants. Yeah, we're just alike, ain't we, Dad? I want to do everything you do, so I've been watching you. Father of the year is how he felt at that moment. Because he knows that his son learned that language from no one else than himself. And we know that to be true. Those of us that have raised kids, those of us growing up, remember that we wanted to be just like our parents and we learn things from them. Children are like sponges. They soak up everything in life around them, especially when they're young. I mean, their brains have got nothing but great capacity to soak up stuff and hold on to it. And so they're watching everything that we do. And they're learning from us all the time. In today's text, Paul is writing the church in Ephesus and he encourages them to examine their ethics, the way they live their lives, the way they function as a church, as followers of Jesus Christ, the way they interact with their community. He talks about the way that they deal with their anger, the way they handle gossip and slander, to encourage them to do things that are common sense to us, like do not steal, but yet do good things for the community. And then he zeroes in on the nugget that he really wants them to hold on to. He wants them to follow Christ's example. To follow that all the way through so that not only are they living it in the church, but they're living it out in the community beyond the walls of the church. Because he knows that that imitation of Christ is so important. So important because it will add to the numbers of the church, but it's also so important because it will transform the world in the town of Ephesus. I think those words are important for you and for me. If we spend any time and we sort of think about what the world tells us today, the mixed messages that they send that we hear from media and everything else, one of them is, is that we can do our own thing. I mean, AT&T has even got a whole ad campaign right now on TV called Do Your Thing, encouraging us to do whatever it is that pleases us, whatever it is that we want to do, to do it all about ourselves and to soak it up. But see, I think God wants, no, that's too weak. I think God expects better. Yeah, that fits. God expects better out of us. God wants more from our lives than just to do our own thing. I think what God wants is God wants us to be our best selves, to be the people that God created us to be. And that means to be in community, that God created us to be, that God sent his son to show us. I think God expects us to imitate Christ. God expects us to be our best selves by imitating what Christ brought into the world. To imitate Christ through forgiveness. To imitate Christ's love. To imitate Christ's goodness. I think that's what God wants from us. And I think that's what Paul was trying to tell the church at Ephesus. Was to imitate Christ. To go out into the world and to show that. And that's what God expects for you and for me. We listen to the, we look at the stories of the Old of the New Testament. We see Jesus's teachings. We see that Jesus wanted to teach the world about forgiveness. Remember that the, the Pharisees liked to play this game with Jesus, where they wanted to sort of ask him a question and try to trap him. So they came and said, "Well, how often do I really need to forgive someone?" 
And Jesus is on to their game, by the way. He always knows this game is being played. So he always turns their words back to them. And he says, will you tell me? You're experts of the law. What does the law say? So they think now they've got him because the law says at the time you should only forgive someone seven times. And Jesus says, yeah, that's good. That's what the law says. But I think we ought to forgive seven times 70. Now, those of you who do math in your head real quick know that that's 490 times. But yet, I don't think that's how many times. That's biblical math works just like numerical math, except there's a metaphor behind it. See, if you give someone 490, if you forgive someone 490 times, that means you're constantly forgiving them. You're forgiving them in a way that you lose track and lose count. In other words, what Jesus was saying about forgiveness is that we should forgive each other time and time again. We should forgive each other in ways that the world doesn't even comprehend or expect it. If you think back to me to June of 2015, when Dylan Roof walked into Mother Emanuel Amy Zion Church in Charleston, he had something in mind, something horrific and horrible, and he perpetrated it. He executed it. He went in there to shoot up a Bible study. And the whole world was torn apart and ripped asunder, and everything was threatening to fall apart. And you remember what they did in that church? They said, don't ride in our town. Let's don't tear ourselves apart right now. What we need right now is to come together because we forgive this young man. We forgive Dylan Roof. How do you do that? After this horrible act as he he perpetrated and yet they forgave. And their example of forgiveness rings true in the modern era of something that we should aspire to do each and every day. Whatever slights, whatever wrongs we experience, we should forgive like that. Because that is a group of people that imitated Christ's depth of forgiveness. But God doesn't want us just to imitate Christ's forgiveness. God wants us to imitate Christ's love. Think about it with the woman in the well, Jesus is there and everyone in town knows about her, knows her reputation, knows that she is sketchy. So no one talks to her, no one helps her. She kind of goes to the well and everyone sort of goes to the sides and avoids her, but not Jesus. Jesus walks right up to her and starts talking to her and she looks around almost as if she's thinking that she's being pranked, if you will. And she says to him, finally, she says, you know who I am, right? And Jesus says, oh yeah, I know who you are. I know all about you. You are one of my father's children. And I love you. Jesus turns the world on its ear right then and there at that moment in time because he shows the world that no one can escape God's love, that it's available to all of us, no matter what. So if God wants us to imitate that love to a world that needs to hear it, then who is it that we're to love? We're to love the homeless, the criminals, the drug addicts, those that gossip about us, 
those people for sure. But God really wants us to love the unseen. Those people that drift in and out of life that no one seems to notice. God wants us to have eyes that are open to love those people. I think of places in life where that can happen, where you're walking through the hallways at work and there's that coworker that no one seems to really understand or talk to. And they just kind of drift through to their job in and out. Or maybe it's the folks at the checkout line at the grocery store where they ask you paper or plastic, you mutter the answer and then you just sort of are in your own world and you don't really notice them bagging your groceries. Or maybe if we think about it as school starts back up, maybe it's the student that sits by himself or herself at the table that no one talks to, that no one eats lunch with. What would it look like if we decided to change our course of action and we open our eyes and we look for the unseen people in our world so that they were seen by us? We walked up to them and we introduced ourselves and asked if we could eat lunch with them. If we asked them how their day was going and really listened for the answer. What if we shared God's love with them in a way that they could hear it and understand it? just because we treated them with the same love that we want. God wants us to imitate forgiveness and love. I think God also wants to, to imitate Christ's goodness. I mean, you think about it, when Christ came to the world, everyone was always welcome around Jesus. It didn't matter, the crowds could get bigger and bigger and bigger and Jesus just made sure there was room for everyone, that everyone had something to eat who's always interested in their story. He walked through the towns one day and he saw Zacchaeus up on a tree and he said, Zacchaeus, come on down. I'm gonna have lunch at your house today. He ate with sinners, he healed the sick, he talked to the poor. He made everyone feel welcome. Even when the children wanted to get close to Jesus and the crowd said, no, this is not kid stuff, this is adult stuff. Jesus says, hold on, make room. Let the children come on in. Let them come to me. Christ calls us to be kind to each other. I can't think of a better place where that kindness needs to live than at the airport. I mean, let's talk about air travel today. I mean, there's a whole sermon series I could do on air travel. But think about it. You go to the airport and you get through there and it used to be air travel was fun. You know, you sort of dressed up for it. You thought it was really special. And now you go in there and the first thing you do is you basically get undressed, shoes, socks, belt. I mean, you're all there. You go through the security line. No one wants to go through there. They don't really want to do all that. But the law says you have to. And then you finally get through that. You get yourself put somewhat back together. And then you get to go to the gate. And you get to board by zones. Oh, that's so much fun. I'm always in zone nine, by the way, which is great. We'll talk about that again some other time. But you get through there and you get herded onto the plane. Now, if you're like me, you travel and finally when you get there, you just want things to be normal. Well, imagine if you're the single parent traveling with an infant and a toddler. Air travel is absolutely horrendous. 
But there's a story that's out there that circles the internet. I love this. Jessica is traveling. She's got an infant and she's got a toddler and she's made her plans. She's put this whole trip together. She knows exactly how it's going to work from the time they get to the airport to how they keep the kids entertained and fed and everything else. Well, you know what happens to plans, right? As soon as she gets to the airport, that plan's tossed. Everything falls apart. And so she's there on the airplane and she's getting on board. She's got a hungry infant because the feeding schedule got disrupted. The toddler that was so excited about flying, as soon as she gets on the airplane goes, no, no. And she just says, get me off the plane. So, you know, mom is like, what do I do? Our seats all the way at the back. And so she's going down the aisle. The toddler's kicking a fit. The infant's crying. She's got all the stuff and she can see all of her passengers all of her fellow flyers, and they're all asking themselves, dear Lord, please don't let her sit on my row. Dear Lord, please don't let her sit on my row. You've been on this fly, right? And you know what her prayer is? Dear Lord, let me sit with kind people or by myself. Kind people or by myself. And she's not sure, and she gets further and further back, and she can see waves of relief as she passes people. And her kids are getting more and more torqued up, and as she gets closer to her seat, she sees Todd. He's a businessman traveling from their town in Kansas, and she doesn't know this, that he's flying the same flight she is all the way to Wilmington. But she sees him and she thinks, oh no, I drew a business traveler. They don't like people like us. And as she gets closer, Todd realizes she's coming to his seat, and he reaches out and says, here, let me hold the baby. Without asking twice, she passes the baby over and she gets her, she gets Caroline, her toddler strapped in, and then she takes the baby back. Caroline gets out her coloring book and Todd starts asking her questions about what she's coloring. Caroline gets finished coloring and she hands the book to Todd and says, it's your turn. Now, Caroline doesn't know the rules and etiquette of business travel and flying where, you know, the one where you sit in your seat, you look straight ahead and you don't talk to your neighbor. She doesn't know that. She just found somebody kind and wonderful and she gave him a chance to color. And without missing a beat, Todd's colors with her. Pretty soon the plane starts to take off and Todd looks out the window and Caroline looking over too. And before you know it, Caroline is half in his lap and half in her seat and Todd's telling her what they see out the window. The plane lands in Charlotte, North Carolina for their connecting flight to Wilmington. And that's when Jessica finds out that Todd's on the same connection. And she's thinking, I know he's gonna head for the hills as soon as he can get out of the gateway. But she gets down the jetway and standing right there at the gate is Todd. And he says, I've made this trip a thousand times. I know exactly where we're going, walk with me. And sure enough, the four of them go walking along. Caroline actually holding his hand all the way to their gate. Now, when they get there, Jessica's thinking, oh, he is really kind. He's so kind. I'm sure that he's going to go ask the gate agent to change his seat to make sure he is on the opposite end of the plane, no matter what it costs. And he does. He goes to the gate agent and asks to change his seat because he wants to sit right with them. All the way to Wilmington, North Carolina. Why? Because, as he said later, that's what I would want someone to do with me if I were flying. See, my brothers and sisters, the world took note. 
Jessica came home from that trip and she blogged about it and she put it up on Facebook where everything that's real and true happens and she puts it up there. And parents hooked onto this real quick. Folks that had flown with small children praised him for his kindness. Some folks that don't like to fly with small children talked about why you shouldn't fly with small children to which Facebook attacked them back and said, the goodness is what we need. The newspapers picked it up, the TVs, the TV stations picked it up. The whole world took note of Jessica's plight and Todd's kindness. You think sometimes I think that life does imitate country music. Country music songs where we realize that the world is watching us, wanting to learn from us, wanting to see what we will do because they will copy that. You and I both know it. the world is watching everything that we do. It's hardly you can go anywhere without cameras watching us. I mean, even in here this morning, there are cameras and some of you think that you're safe, but I understand the cameras can tell who's sleeping and who's not. Just warning you, fair warning. Uh, apparently they're on. So we have that. But you know, the world is watching. They talk about what's happening. They want to find out what's going on. Children and adults learning from each other. Mirroring the images and the actions that we see. The whole world is watching what you and I do how we react to the world, how we treat the world around us. The whole world, whether we want to admit it or not, is watching to see what this congregation will do. And oh, they'll talk about it. They will talk about exactly what we're doing in our community and around the world because, well, they're watching. And I think you and I, we serve a God that wants us to show the world, wants us to show the world exactly what God would want us to do by the way we live, by the way we forgive, by the way we love, by the way we share kindness. So let's give the world something to talk about. Let's go forth from this place today and let's imitate. Let's imitate Christ's goodness, Christ's forgiveness, and to a world that needs to feel it, let's imitate Christ's love. The world is watching. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.